There was a family that was uh, celebrating Thanksgiving Day in the way that most families do. They were all gathered around the table and placed in the middle of the table was the familiar turkey. And uh, the mother, before they decided uh, that they would start eating, said, uh, why don't we all go around the table and each of us say something that we're thankful for? And uh, we'll go from the oldest to the youngest. So each one in turn went around the table saying what they were thankful for. And finally, they got around to the little five-year-old. And he sat there for a moment, and then he said, I am thankful to this turkey who gave up his life so that I could have this meal. And then he thought for a moment, he said, and I'm thankful to mom for having fixed this meal. And I'm thankful to dad for having gone out and worked and supplied the money so we could buy this turkey. And then he was just getting warmed up. He said, I'm thankful to the clerk who checked us out when we went to the store. And I'm thankful for the clerks who placed it on the shelf so we could purchase it. And I'm thankful for those who delivered the turkey to the store. And I'm thankful to the farmer who fed that turkey so he'd be flat, fat and plump. And, and I'm thankful uh, to the one who ground the meal so that the turkey would have something to eat. And uh, he paused for a moment. He said, did I forget anything? <laughs> and his brother, who by this time had become pretty irritated, looked at him and said, yes, God. And the little boy didn't even hesitate. He just went right on to say, I was about to get to him. <laughs> you know, when I read that, I thought, you know, that in many ways is the way people celebrate Thanksgiving. It's almost our once a year way of saying, I was about to get to him, to finally getting around to thanking God. And I think that so often we struggle with the fact that that uh, we don't embrace Thanksgiving in the way we should. You know, we've all heard that phrase, I've saved the best for last. But from a biblical perspective, I think that we ought to save the best for first. Now, obviously, as Christ followers, we all know that we should be grateful every day and in every way. But although I've known many people who are not grateful enough. I've never known anyone who is too grateful. Maybe you, like me, if, if you're really honest, would have to admit that you have some room to grow and mature in regard to this. You know, when I first began to sense that the Lord was leading me in this direction of preaching upon Thanksgiving, I realized that we were going to be tracing over very familiar thoughts. Some of the challenges that pastors and preachers face is to take subjects that are very familiar and somehow make them live again in our hearts so that we hear them in a fresh way. You know, my wife and I enjoy watching some of the old reruns on TV, and almost from the very first line of the rerun, we know what the storyline is going to be, and we can tell who's going to say what, when, and, and it, it's almost as though we don't really have to watch it because we already know what's coming. And if we're not careful, we can do that with a subject like this. You know, when I was beginning to put some notes on paper, I wrote at the top of the page these words, 
Is there a way to share a message about Thanksgiving that will be genuinely helpful to people? And then I wrote underneath that, how can I share a message about Thanksgiving that will result in people being thankful for the message? You know, in the Christian life, there are certain necessities that we just can't ignore. Things like faith, love, hope, joy, humility. But certainly, that list has to include thankfulness. It might be argued that it should be the first thing on the list. Gratitude ought to be infused into our entire being. Everything in our lives ought to be touched by gratitude. How I think, the attitudes I hold, the words I speak, the things I do ought to all reflect our gratitude. And I know that for me, and I would guess probably for you too, there's one or more of these areas where we still have plenty of room to grow and to mature. Now, this morning I want to be very careful, though, that as we talk about these things and try to put some practical handles to them, that we won't approach it with human resolutions to say, well, I'm going to do better. I've tried that before, and I can't do it better on my own. Instead, we need to confess our need for the help of our Father, to ask Him to help us to live lives that truly reflect the gratitude that ought to be there. Like the rest of our lives in Christ, this is not something we master on our own. It happens only as we surrender to Him. So let's together listen and see what He wants to say to us. Now, to make sure that we're all on the same page as we get underway, I want to uh, make sure that we understand what we mean when we say that we're thankful. Thank you, you see, is the way we use to express value for something that we've received. If I sit at a table and I say, will you please pass me the salt, and they give me the shaker of salt, I then reflect that I have received that for which I've asked, and I express that by saying, thank you. Failing to give thanks either indicates that we don't acknowledge the giver of what we possess or that we reject that something that we've received doesn't have any value to us. This idea of being thankful, though, is not just a social nicety. I mean, we would say, yeah, it ought to be a part of our society, but it's a spiritual necessity if we're going to live lives in a God-ordered way. Failure to be thankful is the first step in a destructive direction. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, the first chapter. He said, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. From the earliest years of life, we try and teach this matter of being grateful to our children, don't we? We teach them those two magic words or phrases, please and thank you. And if we fail to teach them that, then we're going to raise children who are egotistical and lonely and entitled 
and discontent and negative. You know, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy when he was cataloging some of the things that are going to be characteristics of the latter days, he said that one of those things is that people will be ungrateful. In the Bible, we read about praise and thanksgiving, and those two really are kissing cousins with one another. Praise honors God for who he is and what he's done. Thanksgiving honors God for that point where who he is and what he has done intersects with our lives. We can think about God and praise him for all of his greatness and goodness, but there's a point where all of that greatness and goodness impacts us. And it's at that point that thanksgiving gets generated in our lives. This issue of being thankful is ricocheted throughout the entire Bible. Debbie read earlier from Psalm 100, which is literally named a psalm of thanksgiving. And it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. It's found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, it is commanded and it is commended. We see Jesus expressing thankfulness. It's an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an evidence of being rich in the word of Christ. It's an evidence of trust. When I tried to, to focus on, okay, where do we actually land our hearts in Scripture, there were two passages that we might have looked at because they essentially call us to the same reality. In Ephesians 5.20 it says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. But now we come to our text this morning. You were maybe beginning to wonder if we'd ever get there. Let's stand together as I read through it. It's a very short, pithy verse of Scripture. But oh my, how much it says. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything, or your version may say, in every circumstance, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that we now have the opportunity to have you speak to us from your word and by your spirit on this issue that is of great importance to you. You want it to be part of our lives, not just a, a peripheral issue, but very central to our being. And so we ask that by your grace, you would help us. Give us ears to hear, hearts to trust you, and hearts that are surrendered to your spirit. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated if you would. So let's think for a moment about this verse that we read. In every circumstance, in everything. The word in the Greek language is just a little brief word, pontis. And it means all, each, each and every, the whole. In other words, nothing left out. It stretches like a broad umbrella over the entirety of existence and says, in everything, 
we are to give thanks. Now, we're not saying that everything that we experience in life is by its very nature good, but we're saying that within the context of that which we experience, God has either ordained that in itself it is good or that he is going to work it for good. And in that we can be grateful. It says over in James, the first chapter, verse 17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God's everything touches our lives with a call to be grateful. He says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. This is something that our God, our Heavenly Father, has purposed for us. You know, many times in life we go through and we say, I wonder what God's will for my life is. We don't have to wonder about this. He tells us, this is my will for you. I want you to do this. He wants us to acknowledge our true dependence upon him so that we, first of all, don't foolishly try to live it on our own, or second, that we forget the fact that in all things he is to be glorified. And so he says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You see, everything that God wants for us ultimately is found in Christ Jesus. He became poor so that we might become rich in him. And how rich indeed we have become in Jesus, in all that he is and all that he did for us. All spiritual blessings in the heavens, the Bible says, are ours in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ he, in fact, is the repository for the wellspring of blessings that God wants to touch in every aspect of our lives. You know, this verse that we're looking at this morning has been a very important verse in my life. There was a point when I was really struggling to know what is God's will, and, and it is though the Spirit of God brought me to this passage. And, and for years, I had in my car, in the center console there, a little card that said on it the three verses that we find in conjunction with one another here uh, rejoice always and pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and God kept bringing my heart back to that to remind me that this needed to be an anchoring point for my soul Thanksgiving needs to be infused into the entirety of our being. And I suggested earlier that probably all of us, if we're honest, would have to admit that there may be some arenas where we're not shored up as strong as we need to be, where there's room for us to grow. It may be that there's actually an absence in that area. We're just neglecting it. Or it may be that it's just an area of weakness that needs to be strengthened. Or it may be even that we have a misunderstanding where we're not sure how to process things in such a way as to be grateful for them. But regardless, the fact is that we need to grow in that. And so in the time remaining, I want us to try and answer that question that we sang earlier. 
the question that goes, how can I say thanks? And I want to do, if I can, what I think would be helpful, and that is to put this in shoe leather, to figure out how do we walk it out? How do we see that it actually is making a difference in the way that we process life and respond to the things that happen to us? And so in the time that remains, what I want to do is to take those arenas of our lives that ought to be being impacted in our Christian walk and try and give some practical suggestions that might help us to think better and therefore act better in relationship to what God wants. And so we begin, first of all, with cultivating thankfulness in our thoughts, how we think in our hearts. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And the wellspring of all of the actions and everything else that goes on in our lives begins with a thought. And so what are some suggestions that might be helpful as we think about this? Well, the first is stop. We can live our lives so busily that we never pause to think about how blessed we really are. Slow down and come to a full stop. The prophet in the Old Testament in speaking to the people of God said, consider your ways. And we're not going to do that if we don't take time. And that requires that we stop. But then there's a second practical thing that we need to do, and that is we need to see. See the blessings, both big and small, that touch us. And sometimes what we have to do, if we're really going to dig into this, is to, to unpeel it like we would an onion. Find the layers that are there. We walk out into the yard and we see the flower garden. And we're thankful for the flower garden. But then we see a rose bush in that garden. And we're thankful for that rose bush. And then we see a single rose on a stem in that bush. And we're thankful for it. And then we look more closely and see a petal. And the delicate way that God fashioned that one petal uniquely from all the others and deeper and deeper we're drawn into this wonderful treasure house of blessings that God has set around us but sometimes in order to do that we've got to almost be like that little boy at the first that we talked about who just sort of unpeels it all and realizes how many things went together to put that turkey on that table so we need to stop. We need to see. But we need to see that those blessings sometimes are hidden in what might appear to be negative. Check for silver linings. Even the most difficult of challenges come with some benefit. Sometimes you just have to look for them. Matthew Henry, who was a great theologian and preacher of bygone days, one day was robbed and reflecting upon this, he processed it in this way. He wrote his reflections by saying, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because all they took was my all that I had, but it was not much. And fourth, be thankful because it was I who was robbed. 
and not I who did the robbing. Stop. See. Savor. Take the time to smell the roses and smell the coffee and the bread baking, the aroma of the new car, whatever it is that gives you pleasure. Fred Bryant of Loyola University, a psychologist there, finds that savoring positive experiences makes them stickier in the brain. I love that phrase, stickier in the brain when you savor it. When you take that and allow it to benefit your psyche, to savor the good moments, there will perhaps be in this next week a time when you're together with family and friends. Stop. See. Savor that moment. But it's more than just our thoughts, isn't it? We also need to cultivate thankfulness in our attitudes, how we feel. As Viktor Frankl, who spent years in a Nazi prison camp, who said, the last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given situation. Attitude is a settled way of thinking and feeling about someone or something. And God wants us to have attitudes of gratitude. Underlying all thankfulness ultimately is a demanded humility. The great enemy of thankfulness is pride. If you struggle with a gratitude attitude, at the heart of your problem is your pride. It's failure to see our indebtedness. It was the Apostle Paul who probed our hearts with this question, what do you have that you did not receive? And the simple truth is, nothing. Even that last breath of life that you breathed was given to you. Even that last beat of your heart was given to you. Everything is gift to us from God, and it demands that we have a gratitude attitude. If we're not continually and intentionally ordering our minds to think on the good things of God, then we'll not enjoy the peace that God intends for us. And this can lead to discouragement and even depression. A study showed, and it's interesting, that a single thought of appreciation leads to an immediate 10% increase in happiness and a 35% reduction in depressive symptoms. When it becomes a habit, it can prevent anxiety and depression. It's interesting, after the first service this morning, someone came up to me and said, you know, I want to just share a story with you. And she recounted how it was that she was going through a difficult time where she was depressed. And through a friend, she was ultimately encouraged to write down every day things for which she was grateful. And ultimately, it became a habit that was helpful in bringing her to a new place of, of well-being within her life. 
A number of years ago, I heard someone suggest doing this kind of thing. And so every day, and I, I journal every day, I don't know about your practice, but I do. But at the top of my journal entry, I always write down three thanksgivings. They're either things that I'm anticipating in the day that are going to happen for which I'm grateful or things that unfolded in the day before for which I can give thanks. But it just sets my heart and mind in a direction which says, you know, all of my life is surrounded with the blessings of God and I need to be grateful. I don't always pass the test in this gratitude attitude thing, though. I just was reminded of that very recently. We were out eating with some friends. We'd gone to a restaurant, and my wife and I had um, ordered, but we were splitting the order because, you know, it's not only cheaper, but we found as we get older, we don't need to eat as much, and so we split the order. But when the bill came, they had attached a $2.50 upcharge because we split the order. Now, I was later told that that was in the menu, but I didn't see it, and it really chafed me. I was not grateful in that moment. <laughs> My attitude was sour, but it didn't just stay there. It went beyond that. I began expressing it to the others at the table. My own incense over the fact that they would do that. Still don't understand why, but the point is that it was a test that I failed. And I guess I had to confess it this morning. <laughs> Do you have any recent tests that you've failed? Maybe it happened as early as trying to get the kids up and moving and getting here today on time. I don't know when and how it came into your life, but maybe you've struggled with the issue of an attitude needing to be adjusted. There are some people that seem to have mastered this better than others. Fred Rogers, who was the Mr. Rogers, you know, neighborhood guy, he once said this, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at that moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, were participating in something sacred. He had discovered that God appreciates everything he's made. And we are called to join him in that. So there's cultivating a new way of thinking, cultivating our attitudes, but then cultivating thankfulness in our words, what we say, giving verbal expression to our thankfulness is needed. We, we hear parents say to their toddler, use your words. But I think if we listen to the Holy Spirit, he might say the same thing to us. Use your words. Failing to express gratitude, you see, is perceived as ingratitude. Someone does something for us, and we may well feel thankful inside but if we don't say it they perceive it as ingratitude as if we're not grateful for what they did every one of us here probably at some time in our lives have experienced where we sent a wedding gift and three years later finally got the thank you note and the fact is 
that it needed to be sent sooner. Because we didn't even know sometimes if they got it in a second, if they liked it. So how can we be helped in regard to our words? Well, just three real quick little suggestions. First of all, say it sincerely. Say it from the heart. Stop long enough to consider, am I really thankful? And then get the words out of your mouth. Thank you for what you did. Say it sincerely. Say it specifically. Thank you for having done that for me. Thank you for having helped me in that way. For young people, you might need to take the time to turn to your mom, ask her maybe first to sit down and then say, thank you for having done my laundry or having cooked the meal or a thousand other things that she's done in thankless kinds of routine. But get it said sincerely, specifically, and say it speedily. Say it in a timely fashion. We've been doing that a lot in this place this morning, haven't we? That's sort of the expected thing. And James certainly helped us with all the songs that he, he encouraged us to join in expressing that thanksgiving. When you go, well, yeah, that's what we do in church. That's right. But it ought to be what we do in life every day. One final area, and that is cultivating thankfulness in our actions, what we do. You know, Jesus once healed 10 lepers who had come to him. And he sent them off to the priest to give evidence of the fact that they were in fact healed. But one of those, mid-journey, turned back and came back to Jesus. And the Bible says that he fell down before him and worshipped him. And Jesus asked this question, where are the other nine? And he said, is there only one, even this foreigner? who has come back to say thank you. Sometimes our actions speak much louder than words, don't they? So what are the actions of a grateful person? One of the things, and perhaps the most important thing, is the proper stewardship of the things that we've been given. If we take a gift and we despise it or ignore it or destroy it, we express that we're not really grateful for those things. But if all of life is a gift, and it is, then how we steward it is not a minor issue, but a major one. True gratitude is expressed in how we treasure the treasures which the Lord has given us. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a profound treasure. And the Bible cautions us not to grieve him or quench him. To be filled with the Spirit is not only a good thing, it's a way of showing gratitude. There are physical actions that we can take. 
journaling and writing down our thanks, thankfulness to the Lord. Phone calls made to someone to express thanks for something that they did. Texts which can be sent. Every once in a while I'll go through my uh, uh, contacts in my phone and I'll just text a note of thanks to some of the people that are on my list there just to let them know I was thinking about them or I'm grateful for them being in my life. Just a practical way of trying to put feet to this matter of showing gratitude. It can be done through notes. Some of you are great note senders and letter writers, and that's great. But however it is that you're going to find a way to do it, the point is you got to do it. You know, studies have shown that when people do good deeds out of gratitude rather than out of a sense of guilt or obligation, it has a very different impact upon the way the brain perceives it. They've done studies that show that when you do things out of gratitude, that it actually activates a part of the brain that has to do with learning and decision-making. This suggests that people who are more grateful are also more attentive to how they express gratitude. They, they discovered something that was really mind-blowing to me. They discovered that if a person takes time to sincerely write a thank you letter to someone else, the brain activity that is generated through the sending of that letter is still present in the brain three months later. It just makes an impact in doing these things. The matter of gratitude has been studied extensively. There are over 57,000 gratitude studies that have been conducted all around the world. And so far, there has not been one debunking the importance of being grateful. So the question that I want to ask as we come to the end brings us full circle back to the beginning to say, which of these four arenas has God maybe laid his finger on this morning in your life to say, I think we need to grow some in this way? Is it in the way you think? Is it in the attitudes you hold? Is it in the words that you fail to speak and should? Or is it in the actions of your life? God knows how to ring up my number. And I've been praying that he'd do the same for you to help you. Not to make you feel condemned, but to make you be encouraged that he loves you enough to want to implant this valuable thing in your life. Now, if you're here this morning, or maybe listening online, and you've never come to faith in Christ, then I've got good news for you, and that is, Thanksgiving Day could be today for you. You don't have to wait until next Thursday. It could be today. Because all that you would need to do is to open up your heart and say, Lord, I need you. I've tried it on my own and I've failed pitifully. And I recognize that I can't make it on my own. And beyond that, I've not figured out a way to get out of life alive. 
but you offer that to me in Christ. And so I look to him and I acknowledge that you sent your son to this earth and he lived a perfect sinless life and he died a substitutionary death for me and he was buried and raised from the dead and through him I can have life. And Lord, I don't want to live the way I've been living but I want to turn and give my life in full surrender to him. If that's you, you'll have every reason today to give thanks. And we'll give thanks along with you for the goodness of God in your life. But I'm aware that most of us in this room would say, yeah, I've already had that Thanksgiving day in my life. But maybe God's been dealing with you and you really want to do business with him today. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing, and it'll provide an opportunity for you to maybe put feet to your faith. And you may want to come and just kneel here and pray and just say, God, I am so grateful. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for all that you've done for me. And you look at your life and you go, I can't figure out how anyone could be more blessed than what I am. And you want to give expression to that in some way. Maybe you want someone to pray with you and encourage you in that way. Whatever it is that God wants you to do, would you do that today? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. We've been hearing familiar refrains this morning. But we know, Father, that you are able to make them the living word of God to our hearts and I've been praying that that would be the case in this place today and that we would be refreshed and renewed in our awareness of how important this matter is to you and that we would live in full agreement and that it would touch every aspect of our being we thank you Father for the work of your spirit in this place and we ask now in these next moments that Whatever it is that would be most pleasing to you, would you do that for your glory? For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.